with this DUI, it was the first time I really had to meet myself with such love and such grace because this was something that I did. And of course, there's the trauma that lives in the body. There are the other confounding factors of I was triggered 100%. And also there's the element of personal responsibility. I was triggered and I got behind the wheel. That's not okay. And how can I be with myself and support myself and love myself in order to cultivate a better relationship with all that I am moving forwards in order to befriend the dark parts of me that needed love, that felt such deep abandonment? What do I need in this moment to continue supporting my body, which has been wounded? And how can I show up in a way that feels good to me? Because all I needed to do in this, after this rock bottom of getting a DUI was build my confidence back. Cause I was starting at fucking ground zero. I was starting at what the fuck is wrong with me? How could I ever do something like this? How could I ever do something like this? And you have to get over it. You have to say, yeah, I did something like this. Now what? Because it's so natural for us to live in the past and get stuck on the shame cycle when we fuck up in life, but like we are never going to evolve and get better and find joy and get out of the patterns of self-sabotage if it doesn't come from a point of love. We have to find at least one fucking seed of love within ourselves in order to allow ourselves to shift into behavior patterns that are more self-serving because when we have these elements of self-sabotage and self-judgment, And we allow ourselves to lead from that space and we try to make changes to our behaviors from the space of self-judgment. We are never going to create lasting behavior change because there will always be the mental talk that we are not deserving of a better life. So we will always continue to self-sabotage. We need self-love in order to shift our motivations in order to create lasting behavior changes that are serving to our evolution as human beings. So even when you feel like you can't find the fucking love, because I know what that feels like when we're in a million pieces, we have to look for it. And we have to fucking stop everything that we're doing until we find at least one little fucking baby bit of love. And trust me, it exists in there. And it's not always easy to find, but it exists in there. And we need to be so dedicated and so devoted to finding it if we ever want to release ourselves from these patterns of self-sabotage. And this has been my lesson. Hi, my sweet angel love bugs. What the fuck is up? Welcome to Bad Witches Only. I'm your host, Ali Schlenner, the queen of this podcast. Oh my goodness. So exciting to be back for another episode, season two. Holy fuck balls. How did we get here? <laughs> also, like, warning you all, I am deeply in my feels today in the best possible way. And I, when I say that, I mean, I'm not super in my intellectual, uh, mental body. I'm really in my feeling body and 
I think it's connected to Scorpio season and the fact that I just recorded an embodiment practice for the sacral chakra, which is all about being in our feeling body and being connected to our emotions and getting the fuck out of our mind. I recorded that for my YouTube channel this week and here we are. So I am coming right into this podcast Uh, from being in a deep state of embodiment and sensuality and expression and opening of my waters, of my sacral chakra waters. So what the fuck is up? This is raw. This is real. We're doing it. I'm showing up as I am. It's going to be slightly messy, but you love me and I love you. (laughs) We're a happy family. Anywho, if you don't know who the fuck I am, I'm Allie. I am a self-love and empowerment coach, as well as an energy healer, a breathwork facilitator, 500-hour yoga teacher, and the original motherfucking bad bitch. So today's episode is quite uh, intense, maybe is the right word for it. I don't know. All these fucking life lessons series episodes are so intense. And here I am like, okay, this is what we're talking about today. And also I'm laughing and smiling and Yeah, all of these things can coexist at once. And it's really such a blessing to be able to share with you guys the different sides of me and who I am and how I have arrived at this space in place in terms of my healing journey and what it is that I have moved through and what it is that I continue to move through and how I show up and how I have taken some of these quote unquote negative, horrible bullshit experiences in life and really allowed them to guide me back to all that I am and guide me back to my sense of personal power. And today's episode is about getting arrested for a DUI. And this happened in 2018, which is exactly four years from the night that I was arrested when this podcast drops on Halloween. So Halloween, four years ago, I was, as I just mentioned, these same exact words, I was arrested for a DUI. And for those of you that don't know what a DUI is, it's drunk driving. It is operating or an OUI operating under the influence of, I was under the influence of alcohol. And this experience was straight up like the one of the worst nights of my life. And it was extremely... it was so fucked up on so many levels. And also it's one of the best things that has ever happened to me. And I say that with full, with my full heart. Um, it is one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Getting arrested for drunk driving is one of the best fucking things that could have ever happened to me because it really forced me to question my relationship with substances and the intentionality between why I was using my substance behind why I was using my substances and when I would run to them and how um, they really prevented me from feeling what it is that I needed to feel and how there was so much trauma and still is right. It doesn't just go away that lived in my body that had to be experienced and felt because it was in that moment of complete um, 
<sighs> of operating from such a subconscious state of being because I had I was fucked up that night and my body's reaction to being triggered um was so strong it caused me to run away and I will get into the details of it but what we need to start with is the understanding that trauma lives in the body and when we are under the influence of substances, it offers us so much understanding in terms of being able to see so clearly what it is that's like the program that's operating because our conscious mind is not present. It's just our fucking subconscious uh, part of us that's acting in each and every way. and. It's not easy to see. And that's the thing too. People always say like, oh, drunk thoughts are a representation of what people actually think. And it's so fucking true. And it we have to acknowledge that too. We have to acknowledge like, what is it that I'm doing? And how is it that I'm acting when I'm under when I'm under the influence? And I came to realize that I really needed to see the shadow side of me that held so much fear and trauma and overwhelm uh, in order to heal it. And now I can look back on this experience and say, holy shit, I really needed this in order to bring me to where I am today and to make me question everything of about the way that it is that I show up in the world and to come back to myself because it's been now four years of deep introspection in respect to my relationship to substances. It's been now four years of sober curiosity, of getting to know myself, of realizing and seeing that I had a habit of numbing with alcohol and weed. And that's not okay. That wasn't okay for me. And in our society, there's so much like pressure and expectation. And there's this unwritten social contract that in our 20s, we just go out and get fucked up and drink and party and it's normal. And for somebody like me, who's such a sensitive baby angel, and I mean, I'm... Uh, being a baby angel is one part of my personality, right? I'm not just an angel, but I like to refer to myself as a baby angel because it makes me um, love myself so much. And it makes, it brings out like this gentleness and this innocence because I mean, I'm talking right now in this moment about getting arrested for a DUI, right? And I accept and acknowledge that my, um, like there's a part of my being that is the shadow side. There's a part of my being that is the ego. There's a part of my being that is extremely fiery. There's a part of my being that is this, this healer essence, really a self healer. And there's this part of my being that's a beautiful teacher. And there's this part of my being that's a baby angel. And that's extremely gentle and innocent. And I have all these different parts of 
who I am. And it's such a blessing to be able to speak so deeply to you and to connect so deeply to you on a channel like this podcast, because it's a space for me to be able to share with you what you're not seeing. And of course, there's so much more to all that I am. And also, it's really important for us to acknowledge that each and every one of us have different parts. And for us to for us to cope with trauma, I really believe that it's necessary for us to embrace the different parts of who we are because it becomes extremely easy to begin to identify with the version of us that has experienced this trauma or that has put ourselves in this trauma and to kind of blame ourselves for that. So when I talk about myself being a baby angel in this context, just know it's with um, it's with love and gentleness and compassion that I allow myself to to view myself. I give myself the permission to say, yeah, you can get arrested for a DUI and be a baby angel. It doesn't mean one or the other. And that's such a beautiful part of my healing journey. And to be able to express that to you, I think is the most important thing I could ever do. Ah, how does that feel? That feels really good for me personally. So I hope that is feeling good and aligned for you as well. And also, I'd like to share a little bit about what happened that night because I think the context is extremely important as well. So in my first Life Lessons series episode, I talked about sexual assault and like, holy shit, that was some deep stuff. Uh, so if you listen to that, thank you. I love you. Um, if you didn't listen to that, thank you. I love you. I respect you. And I respect you if you did listen as well. Um, didn't mean to to speak differently there, but you feel me. You feel me, no problem. <laughs> as I said, operating from this the feeling body right now. So my loves, so interesting because talking about this hasn't like it hasn't been super hard for me but in this moment it's feeling overwhelming physiologically and i think this whole life lessons series is offering me so much um perspective on where i am in my own healing journey and my own healing process and what it is that passes through me as I speak about these things because I am noticing like I feel really spacey in my head and I don't feel super grounded and I'm noticing that I am um doing like repetitive motions with my fingers which I do often when I get nervous or I have anxiety so just noticing that within myself as I speak about these things because uh as we've talked about, trauma lands in the body and it's stored in the body. So every time I speak about this, I'm giving myself the opportunity to reprocess and um, to meet myself with more love and more gentleness. And also, it's important to acknowledge that sometimes we still feel, not sometimes, we always, we always still feel. And that's okay. And it's okay to do both. And it's okay if I'm not speaking super eloquently about getting arrested for drunk driving and the shit that happened that night and talking about trauma and talking about um, like the sexual assault. And it's okay. 
So I'm giving myself full permission to be messy. And I thank you for meeting me with grace along the way. So what happened that night is um, it was Halloween. I had just gotten back from traveling uh, for a short period of time. I began to work as a bartender once again. And um, I remember coming back from my travels. And as I always had felt in the past, uh, like returning to the Boston area and trying to become reacquainted with life there and feeling like I truly didn't fit in, like really feeling that at a deep soul level. And I think a lot of people after um, traveling and going on these like soul searching journeys, whether that is through travel or whether that is through going to university or college or whether that is through um, any type of exploration that we're doing. I feel like we all, I imagine, I know I am feeling this extremely potently after um, the pandemic, like reintegrating into communities. I feel this element of separation or this element of distance because we left the community as a different version of ourselves than we are now, because we all changed in one way or another during the pandemic. So to regather, it's just interesting to observe. And that is really what I was feeling when I came back from traveling. And it's like a consistent thing that I felt when I would re come home to Boston, just being like, I left this container as, or this environment as a different version of myself. And when I come back, I'm fucking way different, right? And it feels a little overwhelming at times to be like, I'm different and therefore I don't fit anymore because that's often what happens. And I'm not necessarily saying like we have to, um, that we should fit in. I don't believe that. I just, I know on the whole body level what it's like to feel like we fit somewhere and then leave and return as a different version of ourselves and then feel like we don't fit anymore. And that can be confronting on the mind-body-soul level to return and to have things feel so different because we are different. And oftentimes we are different, but the environment stays the same and it's uncomfortable. So that's what I was moving through at that time. I had just started bartending again. I had literally arrived home like weeks before that. And um, I had made a new friend at the bar and I was really excited to uh, celebrate Halloween with her. So we went out on, on the town and um, like went bar hopping and just bopped around. And I dressed up, <laughs> I dressed up for Halloween and yeah, it's so interesting just looking back on this night because I haven't told this story in depth with like the details in a while. So we went bar hopping, went to go visit one of my friends at a bar that she worked at. And um, I remember her saying like, you should, she's a super intuitive angel, by the way. She said, oh, you should leave your car here. You don't need to drive. Um, you can just like walk to the next place. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And at that point I really was fine. I was totally, totally fine. I had like a drink. Um, and maybe I had two drinks at the time, but I was, I was okay. 
and like, like, okay to drive. I mean, at this point in my life, I don't drink at all and get behind the wheel at all. Um, and I'm like fully wholeheartedly against that at this point in my life for my own body, because, um, it doesn't work for me. So yeah. So anywho, uh, we drove to the next bar after leaving my friend, but it was just interesting that she said that. And it's always these intuitive things that come up, right? Um, it was like something inside of her knew that I should leave my car there. And so we go to the next bar and we run into friends and, um, yeah, one we were drinking and, um, I, I knew I was driving, so I wasn't drinking a lot, but at that point, to be completely honest, I had drank more than I should have, um, to get behind the wheel, like 100 million percent. I had more drinks than I should have to drive. Uh, yes. But we went to back to my friend's house, one of my friend's house, a male friend. And um, this is somebody who I trusted with like so, so much of me. I worked with this person for many months. He was always extremely gentle and loving and um, and funny and just like a good human uh, for the most part. And we went back to his house for a little after party, got there safely. And um, thank goodness, even though I should not have been driving at that point. And we continued to drink. And I was like, I'm just going to stay here because this is my friend and I trust him and we're good. And at that point, it was like we got to his house and I think everything had hit me uh, in that moment. And then we were like polished off a bottle of tequila and I was fucked up. I was like beyond fucked up, uh, unwell fucked up. And my friend, my gal pal, she asked me if I was good. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm totally fine. Um, I'm not driving. I'm staying here. I don't, I'm not driving right now. Uh, and she was like, okay, great. Awesome. I actually tried to take her keys because I didn't think that she should drive, but, uh, she did end up driving. She said she was fine, which she was, she was not as I was like, not okay. Um, at that point and she was okay. So she drove home, she left and it was just him and I, and before she had even left, I put myself to bed. I was like, listen, guys, I need to go to sleep. This is, I'm too, I'm too fucked up right now. And also after traveling, I had not been drinking like this at all. It's like, it's so interesting to observe because when I would travel, I never really got super fucked up. Um, and I never felt unsafe because I was always a solo female traveler. So I wouldn't let myself get fucked up because I, unless I was in Boston, because I didn't have people that I trusted. Like when you're traveling and you're on your own, you have to take care of yourself and you have to be alert in order to protect yourself, especially as a solo female traveler. So I was like, oh, I'm with people I trust. I'm getting, I, and I got absolutely annihilated. And, um, I went to bed. I put myself to bed. Uh, she left. I don't remember that part. It was at that point where like everything went completely black or like brown, 
browned out. And um, so I laid down on his bed. I told him, I was like, I'm I'm sleeping. Uh, I'm going to sleep in your bed if you don't mind <laughs> uh, sleeping on the couch. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, so I went to bed and I woke up to, and this is a trigger warning for both for sexual assault again. Um, and I woke up to him lowering himself down on top of me. And it was something about the way that the light was shining from behind him. It was like his body blocked the light bulb and it was like the shadow that was cast over me. The lighting mirrored the when the time I was raped and the way he lowered himself down on top of me was like the same um, motion, the same movement. And that, that from the time when I was raped as well. And then um, he took off my, like I was wearing shorts over tights and he took over, he took off my shorts and so I had on just like fishnet tights and a thong. Um, but when this was happening, my brain went to a place of you're not safe, you're not safe, you're not safe. And I, it was like fight or flight times 1 million, right? Uh, and so it, I, I felt unsafe. Um, and like looking back on this, I just have flashes of moments of memory. And it was like his body, the light. And then it was him lowering himself down on me. And then it was, I looked down and he's taking off my pants. And it, it was like my soul left my body. And I don't know what happened, but the next thing I knew, I was in, um, I was, I had my keys in my hand and I was in the car um, and I drove, I ran away without pants on, mind you. Uh, I also left my phone there. It was also like cold as fuck and I didn't bring my jacket. I literally left everything I had there. I grabbed my keys and I ran. And... He was on like the third floor of the apartment too. Like I ran down the stairs or I must've run down the stairs. I don't remember any of this. Um, and the, the only time I remember is I, I remember driving down a certain street and saying out loud to myself and bawling my eyes out, breathe, baby girl, breathe, baby girl. You're okay. My love breathe, baby girl. And Drive like this moment of memory of driving down the street saying, breathe, baby girl, was after I had hit a tree and lost my front bumper. I have no memory, no recollection of, of hitting the tree. And somebody called the cops on me for move for driving slowly, like too slowly, um, which I do remember moving like very, very, very slowly. But at this point, I was already like 10 minutes from this guy's house. So I had been in the car for for a minute. And then I pulled myself over in a side street. And I was sitting there 
just bawling my eyes out. I didn't have my phone. It was 5.30 in the morning. I didn't know who to call. I didn't, like, obviously, because I didn't have a phone, I couldn't call anybody. And I was in a residential neighborhood. I pulled down the a side street and I was um, about to go knock on somebody's door to help me. But I realized I didn't have pants on and I was afraid to um, to knock on the door. So I stayed in my car and uh, then all of a sudden like red and blue lights come up behind me. I still had the ignition running. And I obviously like failed the sobriety test because I was not well. Um, but the thing is, they thought the police thought that I was a prostitute because of what I was wearing. And um, they thought that I was on meth because I was having anxiety and I kept uh, touching my face like over and over and over again. The, the police officer, when we got to the station, she asked me to sit on my hands. Um, and because I couldn't stop touching my face, like compulsively, obsessively, and uh, I couldn't sit on my hands. So because I um, couldn't not touch my face. Basically they couldn't, uh, I don't know what happened with the blow test. Something happened. This was obviously four years ago. I don't remember all the details, but basically they thought I was on meth and, um, they treated me like I was a prostitute, um, which is like, and even just saying that out loud, they treated me like I was, a on meth and like I was a prostitute why do people get treated differently for that? Just saying, just voicing this out loud. But anywho, I was treated like absolute fucking dirt. And I had a female police officer as well. And it was almost as if she was trying to prove herself to, to like to the force by the way that she was treating me. It was fucking horrible. And, uh, um, they had me at, with the anxiety situation and the way I was touching my face, they had me take off my thong. They made me take off my underwear and like my tights and my shoelaces. So I sat naked in a jail cell, like completely naked from the bottom off. And I had told the woman too, when we were doing the report that I had been sexually assaulted and that I was um, like triggered. And I just kept, I, I mean, I don't think I eloquently expressed the triggering situation, but I do remember repeating over and over and over again, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. I'm a survivor of sexual assault. I'm a survivor of sexual assault. Um I need help. I, I remember saying like over and over again, I need help. I need help. Um, and still they had me take off all of my clothes and stay naked in the jail cell. And thank God it wasn't that long um, until the morning came. And like my mom, I, I called my mom 
And I remember the phone, the phone call and saying like, mom, I'm, I'm in, I'm in jail. And, um, so she came to get me. And when she arrived and she saw me, she came in the jail cell and she was screaming at the police officers. Like, who do you think you are to leave somebody naked in a jail cell? with her vagina on the concrete. Who do you think you are? And she was screaming for them to get me a blanket. And I was just weeping. I was just weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And um, of course you feel so much shame. It's just like, what have I done? You know, I'm my whole life. I had been a quote unquote good girl. And now here I am in a jail cell ass naked. Um, I had never expected this. Obviously I'm the type of person who takes my friend's keys when they try to drive. And then it happened to me. Um, and so after that, it was like my whole world had come crashing down. I lost my license for seven months and it was painful. I mean, I couldn't even bring myself to work. Like my mom and my dad and my grandfather would drive me to work at the bar that I was working at. I was working with the girl who um, I was with that night who left me there and like no shade, no shame um, for her leaving me there. And also at the time I felt a lot of like resistance and resentment to towards her for being in that situation, uh, even though it wasn't her fault. And um, also, like, it was just the reminder on my end, right, of, oh, this thing happened. And now I have to look at this person every day, uh, who this thing happened with. And then the same bar, they hired uh, this guy's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> And I had to train her. And I met her through him and like a couple of years before. And so seeing her was just a constant reminder of him as well. And it was horrible. She's actually, she's the reason why I quit the job because she stole um, money on shifts with me. And I knew she was stealing and she wasn't only stealing tips from me and from her, her, she was also stealing from the restaurant. And I knew this was happening. I felt it in my intuition. I went to management about it. And they said, oh, like, you don't have evidence. And I was like, look at the cameras. And um, they're like, oh, you don't have evidence. But I knew it was happening. And so did the bar back. And we just felt it in our bones. But they didn't trust me. And um, I ended up leaving over it because I said I didn't want to work with her. And they kept me working with her. But anywho, not as important, but still important, relevant, right? It's so interesting how all these things are interconnected. Um, so it wasn't until I left that bar and I left working there where I started to really start feeling like myself again. But during this time as well, I immediately got sober. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. Um, I stopped drinking coffee. I was like really just clearing out all the space I needed for me to start healing again. And it was really deep. 
even through the trial of of the arrest and going to um having to go to court and whatnot, it was like it, it was the first time I was back in court since my sexual assault. Of course, it was bringing me anxiety. And like how interconnected these two situations are together is blew my mind, you know, having to sit in court and to feel the same way that I felt on the day of uh, my trial with, or one of the days of the trial with the sexual assault. It's just like, you feel all this shame, you feel all this guilt. It's extremely triggering. And um, it was a lot. It was a lot for the mind, body, and soul to process. Ah, So trauma definitely lives in the body to some that right up. And also, as I mentioned, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me because it caused me to question my relationship with substances and to begin to inquire why I would drink so much or like what was the intention when I wanted to drink after getting sober and having to face that shit head on and not numb out. And like, even after eliminating alcohol and weed, um, you still feel your body craving to suppress certain things and to numb in different ways. Like I feel that with food all of the time. Food isn't something that goes away. You know, I mean, I'm working very, really hard on healing my relationship with emotional eating, but does it come up? Yes. 100 million percent. And it's just another way for us to numb. And also the tendency to just be busy all the time or the tendency to, um, put on Netflix or the tendency, whatever it may be that allows us to access the same type of numbness or the same feeling of, of numbness or not processing or avoidance that we can access through alcohol and weed and bringing attention to that and saying, Oh, my Lanta, that's what I was going for here. And it's a deep process of healing and it's not something that just goes away overnight, but holy shit, like this work is so fucking important and I never would have known how important it is and how life-changing it is if I hadn't had that moment of hitting rock bottom and sitting my ass in a jail cell and being uh, forced to face the shadow of acknowledgement that I hadn't processed my sexual assault fully. I hadn't. And one of the things that I was issued to do in the trial was go to therapy. So I started seeing a therapist at that time um, and that changed my life as well. So my dad would bring me to therapy uh, once a week and it was just, it, it was the first time I had a therapist who I actually trusted. And it was the first time where I felt deeply connected and supported and not judged um, in a space. And to have that is, it's, it's inexplicable what that can do to your healing, for your healing. To just have a space where you can show up, no judgment, no expectations, and be all that you are. And so the combination of leaving the bar that I was working at, finding a new job at a brewery and connecting with new people, introducing myself to in that space as, hey, I'm Allie, I don't drink. Okay, why don't you drink? Oh, I got a DUI recently. 
Okay. Amazing. Cool. And just having that sense of newness where you're entering into an environment that knows you for the new you, as opposed to being triggered by the old environment, shifts so much within you. And it gave me the permission to more fully embody the person that I was in that moment, as opposed to feeling like I had to show up as the old version of me that I no longer wanted to be, that I no longer was serving me, that was actually really harmful to me in so many different ways. And like feeling the resistance and the discomfort of having to meet expectations from people in places and spaces that didn't fit me anymore. And so when I said yes to this new job, it ushered in all this new energy. And that's the same thing with allowing myself to go dancing. That's like right when I started dancing. And it's so beautiful, the intersection between finding new communities and new spaces where I could allow myself to be all that I am for the first time in so long. And sobriety or sober curiosity has really changed my relationship with myself because it's not ever about like the substances. It's really about what it is that's happening within us. And I say sober curiosity because I don't put the restriction on myself to not ever allow myself to drink or participate in whatever it may be because I can be really strict with boundaries and sometimes I edge on the side of being too strict. And in the past, what has happened, like when I first got sober, I was um, sober for eight or nine months uh, fully. It was eight months and um, like eight and a half months. And after that, I like binged. I said, oh, I'm not sober anymore. I'm not having a sober uh, phase. And I just binged the shit out of alcohol uh, mostly and a little bit. I was smoking weed a little bit. And it felt so out of alignment for who I am. And I felt like I was back in the same place of of wondering, how did I get here again? Uh, And I have social anxiety. This surprises a lot of people. I told somebody last night and... um, I speak very openly about my DUI and my relationship with substances. And I told somebody last night that I have social anxiety and that's a part of why I don't drink in um, social settings. And the guy was like, what the fuck do you mean you have social anxiety? You're extremely social. And then in the same conversation, I was talking about being an introvert and another person in the group was like, you're an introvert. And I was like, yeah, I'm an extroverted introvert. I really need my solo time, but to be honest, and to be honest, social environments often give me major anxiety when it's in big groups of people. It's expressed differently. It's mostly like inward. And I think I do a pretty good job of breathing through it. At least now I know how to work with that. But before my go-to was just, oh, just drink a little more. You'll be okay. And for me, that was the least serving thing I could ever do for myself because I never gave myself the permission to actually be in my feelings and to fully experience what it was that was moving through me in terms of feeling insecure in this big group of people. And cutting out alcohol, I've had to relearn how to show up in the world in a way 
that is serving and is healing and does support me and acknowledges all parts of me because I have these parts that are super playful and beautiful and magical and uh, expressive and sensual and sexual and powerful and confident and strong. And I have these other parts of me that are wounded and timid and scared and overwhelmed and anxious and uh, that in parts of me that overthink and overanalyze and are insecure. And to meet both sides of that, I really have needed to be able to be present with all that I am, which means not being under the influence of alcohol, not being under the influence of weed. For me, it's not my medicine. I know that for some people it is, but for me, it's not. And I have to honor that and respect that for me. And my confidence has grown so much over the past few years just because I have allowed myself to tune into what works for me and what doesn't. And when I find what doesn't work for me, I meet myself with grace and I don't judge myself for all the shit that I've been through. Because when you are faced with something like getting arrested for a DUI, you have to learn how to not judge yourself or you're going to literally die. Like, there is no way to continue on with life if you don't let go of judgment of yourself in one way or another. And I would not be sober. I would not have the devotion to my sober curiosity and to my exploration of my relationship with substances if I didn't meet myself with non-judgment. If I didn't meet myself with grace in those moments when I hit my rock bottom, I would not be where I am. And that isn't something that comes easy to any of us, I don't think, because we are taught how to judge. Our mind naturally judges. That's how it keeps us safe. That is how our mind keeps us safe. It's constantly making judgments of the world around us and putting things into boxes and organizing information so that our mind doesn't have to necessarily be consciously thinking of all the things that are happening around us. Our mind keeps us safe by making judgments. And when it comes to self-judgment, we are always the hardest on ourselves than we are and on anybody else. And I talk about this all the time, but it's really important to acknowledge. And with this DUI, it was the first time I really had to meet myself with such love and such grace because this was something that I did. And of course, there's the trauma that lives in the body. There are the other confounding factors of I was triggered. 100%. And also there's the element of personal responsibility. I was triggered and I got behind the wheel. That's not okay. And how can I be with myself and support myself and love myself in order to cultivate a better relationship with all that I am moving forwards in order to befriend the dark parts of me that needed love? that felt such deep abandonment. What do I need in this moment to continue supporting my body, which has been wounded? And how can I show up in a way that feels good to me? Because all I needed to do in this, after this rock bottom of getting a DUI was build my confidence back. Because so I was starting at fucking ground zero. I was starting at what the fuck is wrong with me? How could I ever do something like this? How could I ever do something like this? And you have to get over it. You have to say, yeah, I did something like this. Now what? Because it's so natural for us to live in the past and get stuck on 
the shame cycle when we fuck up in life, but like we are never going to evolve and get better and find joy and get out of the patterns of self-sabotage if it doesn't come from a point of love. We have to find at least one fucking seed of love within ourselves in order to allow ourselves to shift into behavior patterns that are more self-serving. Because when we have these elements of self-sabotage and self-judgment, and we allow ourselves to lead from that space and we try to make changes to our behaviors from the space of self-judgment, we are never going to create lasting behavior change because there will always be the mental talk that we are not deserving of a better life. So we will always continue to self-sabotage. We need self-love in order to shift our motivations in order to create lasting behavior changes that are serving to our evolution as human beings. So even when you feel like you can't find the fucking love, because I know what that feels like when we're in a million pieces, we have to look for it. And we have to fucking stop everything that we're doing until we find at least one little fucking baby bit of love. And trust me, it exists in there. And it's not always easy to find, but it exists in there. And we need to be so dedicated and so devoted to finding it if we ever want to release ourselves from these patterns of self-sabotage. And this has been my lesson over and over and over and over and over again, whether it comes to having a DUI, whether it comes to being in emotionally abusive relationships, whether it comes to the sexual assault, whether it comes to whatever it is that I have been in or I have chosen to do or chosen to participate, my lesson is always, Allie, you have to come back to love for yourself. And it has not been easy, my loves. It's not fucking easy. And I talk about self-love and empowerment all the time, like it's like it is easy. And I'll I'll tell you straight up, it's not. But the moments when we are at our lowest and when it's hardest to find the love, when we do search for it, when we are so devoted to finding it, it's in those moments where things shift the most in our life. I pinky promise you. And this moment of having the DUI or healing from the DUI, really, this is the moment where I realized there is love inside of me in the fucking depths of my deep baby soul. Like there is love inside of me all the time, unconditionally, unconditionally. And the thing is, we all deserve unconditional love in each and every moment, no matter how badly we fuck up in life. And we're human. We're going to fuck up. We are human, my sweet angel love. You're going to fuck up. You're a human. You're going to fuck up. What are you not forgiving yourself for? And forgiveness in moments like this, it'll change everything for you. Because we are not meant to be perfect. That's not always how we learn. I mean, universe, we can learn with a little bit more grace and ease and gentleness these days. We don't need like the big traumas. We can just take it easy. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you guys. Like the, these moments are what have taught me the most. I don't know. 
I didn't know I needed to learn some of the lessons that I've learned in my life. I didn't know I needed to have this experience in order to realize that, yes, love exists inside of me no matter what, unconditionally. Unconditionally, my love, it exists inside of each and every one of us. And if you have the fucking balls to put this episode on and listen to this, you love me unconditionally. You know how deep that love is inside of you? Do you know? Do you feel it? To choose to listen to me and my experience and hold me through this in your own way? Do you know how much love you have inside of you? And to choose to listen to me and to honor me and to love me, I promise you that love exists within you for you. So what is one thing in your life that you have a really hard time forgiving yourself for? What's one thing? And how can you use the love that you found in this moment for me to stretch your heart, to find love for yourself in that moment? Because often when we love others so deeply, we can be brought back to the love within ourselves. And when others love us so deeply, we can be brought back to the love within ourselves as well. But the most important is finding that love for yourself and applying it to you, to waking up in the fucking morning and looking in the mirror and say, I love you. I'm sorry that you have experienced the shit you've experienced in this life. I'm sorry for anything I've ever done to hurt you. I love you. Thank you please forgive me. To find the courage to love yourself unconditionally will change your life. It will. And that's the only way I've gotten through some of the things that I've experienced in this life. I never asked to be taught in this way. And yet the lessons that I've received through the extreme circumstances in the way that I've been taught are lessons that I will never forget. And they are lessons that are fully embodied with each and every aspect of my being. I can't for one second even imagine like teaching about something like this or teaching about unconditional love if I haven't, if I hadn't been forced so deeply and initiated so deeply into this energy. And it's fucked up, but it's extremely special as well. And that's another point of this podcast. It's called Bad Witches Only, but the joke in that is there's nothing that's good and there's nothing that's bad in this world. Everything just is what it is. And we, as humans, are constantly making judgments and assumptions and trying to put things in boxes. So we say, oh, this is good and this is bad. And we do that a lot with our experiences as well. And what would happen if we stopped categorizing things as good or bad and creating all of these emotional associations to our experiences? And we just said, what are the lessons here? And what has taught me the most? And how can I take these lessons and find gratitude for them no matter how much pain I experienced? Because 
The pain is here to bring me back to myself. And I know that because I deserve to return home to all that I am. I return, I deserve to return home to the sense of unconditional love that exists within me that is undying. Unconditional love is undying. When you look for it, it is there. But sometimes you have to search and you have to dig and you have to go deep, deep, deep inside of all that you are in order to find it. But that does not mean that it's not there. It is there, my love. Look for it. And so this experience is not bad. It's not bad. Was it painful? Yes. Did it bring me to my knees? Yes. Did it teach me a hell of a lot? Yes. And like bad witches only, it's not, I'm not a bad witch. I'm not a good girl. And also it's just here for the, for the fun, for the playfulness, for the curiosity. And uh, it's important as hell. It's important as hell to meet ourselves with love and gentleness and to just for today, find a little more love for all that we've been through because it's taught us so much. And if you can find forgiveness, just a little bit more forgiveness for yourself, for whatever has hurt the most, I encourage you to search for that forgiveness. Really, search for it and don't give up on yourself until you find it. I promise you, you will. And it, it will be a process. It will be a process. And you are so deserving of the peace and the expansion and the magic and the beauty and the freedom that lives on the other side. So don't fucking give up. All right. <sighs> well, my loves, I'm feeling pretty complete with this episode. There is one other thing I want to share. And that is in respect to confidence. We build our confidence by meeting ourselves with a sense of fear of with a sense of devotion to showing up for ourselves even when we're scared and even when it's unfamiliar. And as I mentioned, like the past few years, in my sober curiosity, I have learned so much about confidence because I've realized that for me, my relationship to substances was taking me away from myself and it wasn't enabling me to show up for myself in the way that I needed to in order to love myself more deeply. So whatever it is for you, and it doesn't have to do any, have anything to do with substances. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with substances for you, but whatever feels good and allows you to show up for yourself a little bit more, continue to do those things and continue to stretch your muscle of doing things that are unfamiliar and that feel a little bit scary and bring you back to yourself. Because those are the things that are going to cultivate this, this energy of love within you and that will continue to amplify that energy of love within you. And every time we choose ourselves in any way, shape, or form, we build this muscle of love and confidence. And that feeling 
will be the medicine that you need in order to hold yourself through the experiences that you feel the most judgment and that you have the hardest time forgiving yourself for. So continue to stretch that muscle. Alrighty. I love you so, so, so much. You're a beautiful angel being. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, happy day. Happy Halloween. You are an angel nugget. And I love you. Thank you. All right, my loves, if my words are resonating, if you are feeling held by my presence, if you are feeling supported, I will extend my hand out to support you more deeply if it feels aligned with your mind, body, and soul. Here are some ways to get more connected with the bad witch motherfucking crew. So I will be hosting a free event on Halloween. Mark your calendars on October 31st at 7 p.m. Central Time. It will be a 90-minute event. It's called Bad Witchery 101. We love that. So that will be a way for me to support you um, at a live event. How much motherfucking fun. Okay, also, if you'd like to go deeper, I am currently offering a one-to-one five-week intensive healing container. And this is one of my favorite offerings at the moment just because of the way it came to me. It came to me in a dream. I woke up in the middle of the night. The universe gave me exactly what I needed to do, what I was supposed to offer, the pricing, literally everything. So I just know it's so very aligned with the universe. And I love receiving messages in that way with such clarity because it just reassures me that yes this is meant for the world so if this resonates i have special spooky season pricing up until the end of october and i have a few spots left so if you're interested i will leave the information in the show notes so you can check that out and send in an application And besides that, really, really fucking exciting. I will be traveling to Boston, Mass in Austin, Texas around the holidays. And I will be hosting some pop-up live events in both of these places. So get excited. More information will be dropping soon and we will be able to connect in person. Also, speaking of in-person connection, retreats are dropping so soon. They may even have been dropped by the time that this podcast drops, but time will tell. I will leave the most up-to-date information in the show notes, and I am so excited to connect with you in person. I also highly encourage you to check out the other free resources that I'm offering online at the moment, so definitely sign up for my newsletter. I am constantly offering so much magic and so much wisdom and so much information and so many free resources in my newsletter because it's just such a special space for me to nurture. It's such a special way for me to connect with people through writing. If you don't know this about me, I motherfucking love to write. So definitely sign up for my newsletter. Also on my YouTube channel, um, every month I will be doing an energy reading and I also drop YouTube videos uh, every week. With that, it's amazing to be able to receive um, like the words that I'm saying and the lessons that I have, the teachings via the podcast and then do the practices via YouTube and then follow through with the resources that I offer every month um, surrounding the energy reading to allow you to dive into what it is that's happening energetically throughout the month to support you as you flow with the energy as opposed to fighting it. 
Also, Bad Witches Only has a new Instagram account, so you can follow me there. And if you haven't already, please review Bad Witches Only on Apple Podcasts, okay? I am so grateful and so thankful to be able to offer so many free resources with the world and to show up with so much value and so much potency. And I couldn't do this without your support. So if you can support me in any way, shape or form, know I am here to support you, but you show up for me, I show up for you. This is a reciprocal relationship here and I could not be more thankful for that. I love this community so fucking much. You guys are the best. Thank you. We will see you next time.